message as short as your drive to work. TheSpeakingDeacon.com Good morning, Father. Thank you for your grace and your mercy over the events of this week. And um, the loss of Dottie here is uh, certainly an addition in glory. And uh, now we ask, Father, that through this service, through the sermon, that you would be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're doing a two-part series on zombie hunting. And you could think, should Christians be talking about zombies? I mean, that's for the TV, right? Is that, is that even tasteful for us to be talking about it? Well, of course, I'm going to give you many, 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 many scriptures on... Uh, last week is really on what a zombie is, because God has a definition of a zombie. And let's just review some of that before we get into the newer, juicier stuff. And that zombie, I forgot to get him out of the way. But a zombie from TV, it's a fictional idea where it's a living dead or animated dead people. And they're reanimated by either magic or science or a virus, you know. And, and uh, there's a lot of popular zombies out there, if we recognize some of them. Did you all think about a mummy is a zombie? Did you realize that? Yeah, yeah. Frankenstein, that's right. And actually, you know, Frankenstein isn't the name of the monster. You all knew that, right? In the, it's Dr. Frankenstein's monster. Got it? Okay, so really, unlike the monster TV show, um, that's not, and of course, Minecraft is full of zombies, you know, and it's real popular to beat them with your diamond sword or whatever they use. I thought his name was Herman. <clears throat> Who? Herman, Herman Monster, Herman. yes! Good job. Good job. They're still on TV. Yeah. Yeah, what, TV land? Yeah. <laughs> TV land. It's better than some of the new movies. Yes, it is. Amen to that. So, speaking of new movies, what latest TV shows have been out for like eight seasons now of zombies? Anyone remember the name of that series? The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. Yeah. I haven't seen a full episode. Uh, I saw about five minutes of one, and uh, that was enough. The, uh, I won't diss it, though, uh, because we're going to focus our attentions on other places. But anyway, TV is one of the great portals of the enemy uh, to tell us lies and train us into thinking things. So we think this is what a zombie looks like. But the Bible tells us this is what a zombie looks like. You're like, well, they're... They seem to be normally dressed, you know, they're happy people, they're smiling, except for this nerd guy here, everybody seems relatively normal, right? So it's like, but according to the scripture, this is what a zombie looks like. So, and last week we talked about the zombie detector. So if I was to go through here with a zombie detector, how could we delineate the zombies from the non-zombies? And um, you got to listen to last week's podcast to be able to get that. But John 3.18, here's one way to tell. Whoever believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Okay, so people are already in a condition of condemnation. They are already there. It's a preset. 
So every one of these folks, if they're without Jesus, is a walking zombie. They're a complicated animal at best. And that's how Scripture describes humans without God, without the Holy Spirit in them, without being reborn or born again. We're just complicated animals. We're just listening to our flesh, to our desires, and and acting that way. And here is the scripture of uh, describing a real-life zombie. It's Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And this is the ultimate description of sin. Because when we see this word trespasses, it's another, it's synonymous for sin. Because remember, we like to think of sin as something we did. And so, and we try to get forgiven for that action. But it's a, it's a root fruit issue. It's a condition. Sin is a condition, not an action. We're sinners, so thus we sin. If we're an apple tree, we give apples. Sinners give sin. Okay? So it's not about what you're doing that's important to Jesus. It's why you're doing it or not doing it. Okay? So, and this is why a person is sinning or not sinning. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. There's your walking dead. There it is, right? Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Now, before I read verse 3, look at these two verses. There's the ultimate horror movie. These two verses. There's all these walking dead. I'm just going to sin. I don't care about God. I'm going to have it my way. I'm going to do what I want to do. And they think they're free of God. And they have free will or whatever that uh, ungodly concept is. But they're really following the prince of the power of the air. They're getting their orders from the devil. They're, they're, they're just being stupid. Ah, this is right. What, what devil? What, what TV devil? What radio devil? Oh, okay, I'll do what you told me. All right. Right? And then they walk off being stupid because they're dead and they listen to the devil. That's what this says. How's that for a horror movie? Okay, there's all your goodies. Ephesians 2, 3, Among them we also once lived in the passions of our flesh. That's what I mean by complicated animal. Because our dogs, our cats, they're great to have, but they, they, they do their thing, right? They're animals. And they have certain callings and they do what they do. They don't stop and really contemplate the universe like you or I would do. Okay? And then, now, but by the grace of God, there go I. Right? This is us, but by the grace of God. And that's exactly what this is saying. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That fits just perfectly with uh, being condemned already. What we just read before. That's the condition. The majority of the world, apart from those saved by Jesus Christ, are zombies listening to the devil, pretending they're free when they're really trapped in sin, and there are natures of wrath. God's going to squash them, and He's going to show no mercy on those who rejected His Son, Jesus. Now, aside from the devil, there are other devils 
that these zombies have. So real-life zombies are better organized than the movie zombies. The movie zombies, they can do horde mentality, but they can't really get organized. In real life, zombies can get organized. And uh, here's what uh, 2 Timothy 3 through 7 talks about when it comes to zombie leaders. Uh, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, that would be pride, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. That's what it says here. And then 3, 6, and 7. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning, but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Right? That's key. It's that never arriving. And boy, now, back in the day when Paul wrote this, he was talking about people who literally would get into their houses of women and capture their weak wills because they're burdened with sin and lead them astray by more passion and sin. All right? But nowadays, they can get in through the TV and the radio, the Oprah Winfrey channel and all that. They can come in and they can just get these just hordes and hordes of women and men to listen to them and tell them, oh, you're a good person and, oh, just love yourself and it's okay and don't discipline your children and all that type of stuff. You know, um, all of that there. And then all of this, these folks, I got Olstein, Dollar, I don't know who that dude is, but they're all saying your best life now Praise the Lord, this is not my best life now. That our best life happens after death. After we get rid of this crud we call our body. Once the heaven and the earth does not have a curse on it. That will be our best life now. This is not the fact that this guy ever even dared say that. He needs to repent in Jesus. So, That's last week. But we're going to do some zombie hunting now. Because now we know what zombies kind of look like. And one verse uh, to know whether or not you're a zombie or not, part of that thing is do you really, really, really love God? And that slide may be in here. We'll come back to it if it's not. So we're going to hit the start button. And we're going to talk about the cure and how it happens. The cure has two ingredients. The cure to zombies. Part one, the gospel, and part two, the Holy Spirit. See, zombies and fictional characters are reanimated. They're re-dead, all right, but they're still dead. Um, in real life, they're dead once or born once, but they're spiritually dead, and now they have to be born again. And the two components to that is the gospel, specifically why Jesus died on the cross. Not all the other theology, that's good to know, and that's what Christians do, they grow in theology, but it's why 
Jesus died on the cross, connecting that, that part of the gospel. And then once that information is given to somebody, the Holy Spirit comes in and turns the lights on for them. And they get it. Okay? We're only part, we only have to do one part. Share the gospel. It's the role of the Holy Spirit to help the person to get it. Alright? So let's talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, born again is regeneration. That's the same term. Okay? There's no such thing as a born again Christian. Let me challenge you there, because that's a redundant statement. I'm a white Caucasian. Yeah, sure you are. Okay. But that's the same thing. You can't be a Christian unless you're born again, and there's and you can't be born again or they're the same word. It's synonymous. So people who say they're born again Christians are just stuttering. Theologically stuttering. John 3, 3 through 8 says, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That is a universal negative. Okay? Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered, uh, Nicodemus was getting snarky, so I jumped down to verse 5. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And just to point out, that is not water baptism. That is the first thing that breaks on a woman before the baby comes out water. That's, that's what it's referring to. Flesh, Spirit. And we'll see it coming up. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said this to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit's going around regenerating, regenerating, regenerating. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Okay? Of course, there's a before and after picture. The second, or Titus 3, 3 through 7. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by washing, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out onto us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. How do we get justified? Is it by our good works? It's justified by His grace. And of course, here's mercy, here's grace. How do we define mercy and grace? Mercy is not giving us what we deserve. Grace is giving us what we do deserve. Grace is giving us what we do not deserve. Okay? Mercy is not giving us what we deserve. Grace is giving us what we don't deserve. And it's all based on what we deserve, which is justice. But we don't want God's justice, right? We want God's grace and mercy. Okay. So, moving on. God can bring a zombie to life. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. 
And you who were dead in your trespasses and the circumcision of your flesh, uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Remember how it said we were dead in our trespasses and sins? Look at this. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. He forgave us all our trespasses. He made us alive. God did this. And by canceling the record of debt, God is keeping track of every bad thing we've ever did. And if it's not accounted for and paid for by Jesus, he's not canceling the record. But through Christ, he will cancel the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Justice. See the justice? This he set aside, nailing it to the cross the gospel. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing triumphing over them in him, which is Jesus. Can you dig it? That's cool. God's even going to bring rebirth to the heavens and the earth. <clears throat> Matthew 19:28. Jesus said to them, "Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the son of man will sit upon his glorious throne, you you who have followed and I apparently cut out the rest of it by accident, but what I want to emphasize, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Even the earth is going to be renewed." All right? Contextual for Israel but true for all, Ezekiel 36:26 and 30, uh, 27, and boy, that got cut off. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my... Check notes, paper notes. And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. A Christian loves the Bible. Because they have a new heart. A new heart to listen to God and want to know what He says. Um, And He causes to be born again. Clearly I didn't clean up my PowerPoints. I apologize. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is... This is our inheritance. This is where Dottie is now experiencing an inheritance inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power, by your striving, by your hard work, no, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for the salvation of those Yep, guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. So, I'm giving you all the verses about the salvation, about the gospel. Alright? Now, we're going to, again, we're going to just take out our zombie detector, right? Which is the Word of God. There is an app for a zombie detector. I've yet to download it. I might try it this weekend just for fun. Um, but it's the Word of God. And, and before we take the zombie detector on other people, we want to scan ourselves with it. And we'll just use the first major one. How do you know if you're not a zombie? And this was mentioned last week. You love Jesus. In Luke 10.27, He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. 
All right? Christians love Jesus. They're alive. They love the Word of God because that's how they can become intimate with the one who saved them from hell. They want the goodies. They want Jesus. That's how you know. At the end of the day, did you chase Jesus? Was He your number one love? Did, did, did He make the schedule? All right? That's, a, that's the number one zombie test right there. According to the zombie detector, which are you? Do you love yourself and the world more than the creator of the world? Okay, that's for you to decide, for you to think. So Christians obey. So the Holy Spirit, we talked about what the Holy Spirit does. He brings zombies to life. It's the Holy Spirit's role. So we can all go... So let me encourage you this. There is no amount of persuasion. Nothing you can say to anybody to see them saved. You can't do it. So I want you to relax on that. However, we do have this pesky command that we are to obey. And what I mean by that is the results is not your problem. The responsibility to obey is our problem. And that is this, 2 Timothy 4, 1-4, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his, appear, by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions and will turn away from the listening of, to the truth and wandering off into myths. Okay? Now, this is an... Uh, a, a letter to a preacher. Paul's writing to Timothy. Thus, it's Second Timothy. But this is universally applicable to all of us, or applicable. Um, be ready. And I know a lot of times we pray, Lord, give us an opportunity, but then we ignore it or don't take it. So I don't, I don't ask you to pray for opportunities. I, you should be praying that you take the opportunities God gives you to share the gospel. And of course, spreading the gospel, it's a command, not an option. All right? And that's, that's the primary part of being a Christian, is we've got to get about sharing the gospel part. You know, the, the beads, the, the wordless book, the, you know, the Romans road, that part of the gospel, that stuff that helps people come to a crisis point of what they do with Jesus. And of course, Jesus himself gives us this pesky command. I like to say pesky command because I want it to bother you. I want you to leave here going, going, Jesus keeps saying to me to obey him, to share the gospel. And I can't get it out of my mind. I can't. It just bugs me. That's why I hope these commands are pesky to you. That if we didn't do it, I hope we feel bad. At the end of the day, when you didn't share the gospel or even talk anything about God to anybody at a time, we should all go, ooh, I didn't do the number one commandment of all time. Love God. Because this is the epitome of loving God and loving our neighbor. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Right, that's some good stuff right there. So, I edited last week's poster. Don't run from the zombies. Go share the gospel with zombies. All right?
We're to share the gospel. Um, and that shouldn't be in there. So let me jump to the next slide. Okay. Um, feet fitted, ready to tell the gospel. Y'all know the spiritual armor? Shield, sword, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, and the what? What's your feet for? Yeah. Walk and talk. Walk and talk. Romans 10, 13-17 For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How, can, how then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now, before we turn that word preaching, um, you're tempted to all do iso-Jesus on this. I saw it. You all know what I'm talking about, iso-Jesus? Iso-Jesus is bad hermeneutic when you want to put a meaning on a word that doesn't exist there. Because you're saying, hey, someone's got to preach it to him. Oh, I'm not a preacher. Right? That's Jeff's job. That's the pastor down the street's job. Preaching means sharing the good news. And so it's not like you can offload that back up to the pulpit dude. All right? How are they to hear without somebody sharing the good news with them? Preaching. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they not all have obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We got to share the word. We don't have to persuade him. Don't worry about persuading him. You just got to share the word. I don't know where that picture went. Save to share the gospel. I'll read this to you because it's very teeny. Okay? God saved you so that you can go share that good news with others. 2 Corinthians 5.17-21 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. There it is again, a new creation. So we're not a zombie anymore, right? Now we're new. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through who Christ reconciled us to Him Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Quiz! What's the message of reconciliation? In one simple word, or two words. The message of reconciliation. It's the whole point of this sermon. I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with gospel. <laughs> the gospel. The message of reconciliation is that a person doesn't have to die and go to hell. They can trust in Jesus and go to heaven. The gospel. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore to you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him... Here's the Gospel. Here's the Gospel. For our sake, He made Him... Who's He? God made Him... Who? Jesus. To be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. How's that for a succinct sentence of the Gospel? That little nugget of information... 
Just memorize that verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21, and give it to people. And then when they say, what are you talking about? What is that? Then you can just unpack it for them. There's your little outline to follow. Okay? So hunt zombies. It's the wise thing to do. Get up in the morning, you grab your weapons. What are you doing today? I'm hunting zombies. Right? You wear your cool shirt or whatever it is, and you go out there and you do some zombie hunting. Why? Because it's wise to do that. How do we know that? Proverbs 11.30 The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. Isn't that cool? God wants you to go capture souls. Right? That's like... All the movies of the 80s and 90s, all the TV series of the 80s and 90s is right here in Proverbs 11.30. Whoever captures souls and wise. I'm thinking Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? All those cool shows. Those, were those 90s or 80s shows? I remember the decade. All right. And here's a poorly edited thing. I'm going to just go right by that. I didn't cut that out of my PowerPoint. Now, look at this. Well... Well, Jeff, you know, sharing the gospel, is that really loving them? You know, kind of, isn't it going to cause a fight and should, bad things might happen? Yes, bad things will happen. Bad things will happen to you if you share the gospel. Well, yippee. But James 5.20, this is really what it looks like to love your neighbor. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover over a multitude of sins. What do you think you can give to your neighbor to love them better than the gospel? That's right. Okay? It doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to be obtrusive. The gospel's offensive enough. But even when you lovingly do it. So I just want to unpack a weapon for you. Nerf zombie strike. Right? Awesome. They even have nerf zombie swords. Because, hey, you know, zombies just love to get hit over the head. Um, Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Okay, It's a juicy weapon. The more Bible you use and the less you rest on your own cleverness, the easier it is. So we're going to wrap it up here. This is how it works. You share the gospel, God does the work. So you bring the gospel message, the Holy Spirit works on that, and that's how a new Christian is born. That's how you make baby Christians. Okay. So if you want a big family of Christians, you give them the gospel, and you pray the Holy Spirit does the work. And uh, let me see if it's there. And the Lord's servant, for 2 Timothy 2, 24-26, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're praying for. We give them the gospel and we pray that the Holy Spirit gives them repentance. Okay? And honestly, the evidence of the Holy Spirit working on them is they get it and they love it. The gospel's like the ultimate super candy all of a sudden. It's like, where has this been? This is great. That's the gospel. Okay? So that's how you hunt zombies. I'm going to pray, and then we'll worship God with some more songs.
Father God, uh, there it is, uh, how we can hunt zombies. And once we were all zombies, and uh, you brought us to life, we're born again, we're regenerate. And I pray, Father, that uh, you would give us confidence to overcome our fear and to be inconvenienced by sharing the gospel concisely, specifically, for uh, obediently. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakandeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Thespeakandeacon.com. Truth is here.